Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 21 of A Better Father. So today's episode is on influence, which is something I think about a lot. Um, It's obviously through the lens of being a father and currently the influence of Adam Grant's new book, Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And I think a lot about what influence, what things I want to uh, put into my daughter's life or what things I want to surround her around. A while ago, I had read um, a story, an article about how kids who grow up in a house with books are more successful. And everything's on different scales or whatever, but it tends to be, I would assume, putting in other factors, families who can afford books, uh, parents who are readers tend to have uh, breed readers, breed readers, uh, bring up readers, or breed readers, I guess as the case may be. Um, but when they have that influence around them, then they see it. And so there's these factors that influence the, the outcome or those influences that are creating an outcome. And I've talked on here before about finding patterns or noticing patterns. Um, I had said a while ago, I remember breaking up with a girl and in a town I used to live in a long time ago, and she had a very distinct Honda Civic gray, I think it was two-door, four-door, whatever it was. But it was a gray Honda Civic, I'm pretty sure. And then I just saw that car everywhere. I'm pretty sure there was only one of them, and it was never her car. It's just all of a sudden I saw them everywhere. And I was listening to the Daily Stoic or the Daily Dad um, podcast this morning from yesterday, and he was talking about the thing, he was talking about how to introduce philosophy to our to your kid and I always those questions need to be asked and people don't always think about that or worry about that or wonder why you'd introduce philosophy to your kids or whatever but I always find questions like that funny it's always again I have to be careful because every parent's doing their best and we're all trying to figure this out but if you're feeding your kids sugary stuff right before bed then bedtime's going to be worse if they're staring at an iphone or an ipad or a tv or whatever right before bed bed's going to be worse these are just facts that you can look up and know about how blue light reacts to the eyes and how they messed with your log your uh, circadian rhythms and all of these things so even these daily little influences or thing we don't think about have an effect so as he was talking about how to introduce philosophy to our your kids it's knowing how kids learn. It's knowing what they're receptive to, but it's also surrounding them with it, putting up things that they notice. And he had made a comment about putting up a poster of uh, Socrates instead of Sesame Street or whatever. And when you do that, kids then have an understanding of something most other kids don't. And it's always funny to me whenever you see these things on YouTube or it used to be on like David Letterman or whatever, where they'd bring a kid on and it was just like, oh my gosh, this kid knows about whatever. And then they would like put him on stage and the kid would perform for everybody and do like the presidents or whatever. And it's like, well, those parents taught them presidents. Like it's just that kid didn't not know about presidents because he just knew about them. Like sometimes there can be innate abilities and stuff or whatever, but the parents had to somehow influence that or put that into play or a teacher or whatever where the kid kind of gravitated towards it. And a really good um, 
book on that or movie is Searching for Bobby Fisher, where um, Josh Waitskins, who is a real person in the movie and the book are the movie and the book Searching for Bobby Fisher are based on his true life. But he was a chess prodigy and his parents didn't know that until he they let him play chess in the park and he just kind of was drawn to it, had an interest in it. And the parents could have said, no, we're not doing that, or no, we're not playing with, you know, the homeless people in the park or whatever. And you had to pay like two or five bucks or whatever to play a match with them. But he, there was something about the game and the board and the pieces that he had this ability to play, but they would never know that if the parents hadn't allowed him the opportunity. And then the dad, you know, helped motivate that. It's a really great book, great story, great movie. And now J.S. Waitskins, um, just gone on to be like a black belt and baseball player and all of these things and and again he had to have good parents that helped him navigate that in a positive way that didn't create riffs or bumps or like the kind of the big conclusion of the movie and part of the story of Josh Waiskins was his dad instead of making him focus on chess when he was coming up to the big chess tournament and making him just study and do it and you got to win and you got to succeed he said no chess for two weeks like we're gonna go fishing we're gonna go hang out and he just took him out of it which seems counterintuitive but that's how greatness is made are these people who kind of just somehow feel or know or learn over the time about the person in front of them because kids are people and it seems like such a weird thing that people don't always recognize that or see that that's a whole other rabbit hole but i there i i'm not a big sports fan i'm a runner i'm not a big sports fan I think there's a lot of issues with football currently, and I think they keep learning more. An article just came out in the New York Times about how they're finding more and more head injuries um, in football players at a younger age because it's happening during practices, which makes sense if you're practicing every day. It's not the one big game you're playing once a week every couple of weeks. It's the repetitive head-banging day in and day out. And so I just, my viewpoint is it's not good, but my ex's family is all into football and blah 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 so they're trying to influence that on my daughter and put it into her life and and again I can't do anything about that but when you see those influences or people forcing these things on kids it's just it's it's heartbreaking and I just think like what and again each per like this is the hard part is when you don't let your brain just go in one direction when you don't just push things through in one direction it's you've got to allow all the other stuff to come in and you've got to allow that process to happen so i do want my daughter to be influenced by kindness and and being gentle and being understanding and being a good citizen not sitting on her butt every sunday watching football and it can go down a whole rabbit hole of that so it's it's my viewpoint and i know that it could be a bonding moment blah blah, blah but i just I think we're learning certain things that we've accepted for a very long time and things that we've let other people do that we got to enjoy isn't always the best thing and now we're starting to get to a point where we're learning some of these things or adjusting and you know if they can figure out football that doesn't cause brain injuries then cool flag football it is professional flag football I don't know so sorry for anybody who likes football or whatever I just if my daughter wanted to play, I would not allow it. I would I would stand strong on that not happening because 
I think it's proving to not be beneficial for the long term. And one of the issues, and this is the last I'll say about it, is it's hard to correlate because they're finding brain injuries 30, 40, 50 years later, which has been going on for a while. And so anyway, that wasn't the point of this, but it is the point of the influences and what we let influence. So if we want our kids to be readers, then you have to have books around. You have to let them read. You have to take them to the library if you can't afford books. Like my daughter last week, I think we had about 70 books between two different libraries in our house. And it's like a point where you got to be like, okay, sweetie, enough's enough. Or like somebody has to take care of these eventually or whatever. But it's also hard to be like, you want books so you can just sit around and read. Like that's all you want to do is sit around and read. And how do I, how do I tell you no to getting free books to take home to read instead of staring at a screen or looking at an iPad or whatever? You're literally, I have a picture of her bed that's just like literally a sea of books. And she was so excited. And she just sat up on her bed, ate her cheesy popcorn, drank her water and just read for hours. And, and that's amazing. But yeah, like how do I tell her you can't get more books? I mean, again, eventually it's a respect thing. But we had all these books and it was amazing. And that's how you grow a reader. So anyway, as um, Ryan Holiday was asking in the Daily Dad podcast to his guest, who I'll link to it because I don't remember her name off the top of my head. But he was saying, like, you got to put these influences out there. A kid doesn't know who Socrates is unless you introduce him to Socrates. And then who is Socrates? What did he do? Allowing, um, so one of the things in the Think Again book, um, which is what kicked all of this off, was he was talking about how debate was allowed and uh, the Wright brothers' family. Like that was a normal part of their growing up. Not disrespectful. It was debate, not attacks. It was debates, not going at each other, demeaning each other, whatever. They were allowed to have screaming match debates that were about the subject or about what they were arguing about not about personal attacks not about name talking not about digressing to whatever which again all things i could have learned more about a long time ago or we all could have and which is another part of the rabbit hole of all of this but anyway so when they were allowed that healthy debate that's what allowed them to get to the point where they created the airplane because they were allowed to argue and fight with each other and not make it personal they it was debates it's let's get to the solve this and sometimes that's screaming at each other sometimes that was going crazy to the wall to just get it out or whatever but never a personal attack it was always about the subject it was always about trying to improve or get better or fight about the disagreements on two screws or three screws or whatever their thing was but that that was allowed to happen because that was the influence they had as kids and now you were taught it's respectful to argue it's respectful for you as children to have opinions it's respectful for you to be able to talk it's respectful for you to have a voice at this table and in this family that that's one thing i've made sure and i've written about it on my blog and i may have talked about it on here before but i always make sure to talk about how things are ours when it comes to my daughter this is our house you get to have thoughts and opinions on it when we talk about food and stuff like that I'm like, we're going to eat healthy, whatever. I'm not forcing you to eat healthy. And I tell her all the time, if she's like, well, I don't want this or whatever, I just say, my job is to make the food. <laughs> you choose whether you eat it or not. I am providing you a good, healthy meal. Here it is. I'm not going to tell you you have to sit at this dinner table till you eat. I'm not going to force you to eat food until you don't feel good or whatever it is. But I'm going to make it for you every day three times a day and set it down what happens from there is up to you 
you're going to eat it eventually or you're not, and I'm going to make you some more food. And I don't like the idea of like, this is your dinner from last night. You didn't eat it. It's your breakfast today or whatever. I think, again, that just gets into weird abusive territory. Everybody has their opinions on it, but I just think there's standing your ground or forcing somebody to do something. If somebody did that to me as an adult, I'd be pissed and I'd go make my own food or whatever. And she doesn't have that option. So I don't, I always try to think of it through that lens of I'm trying to get her to eat healthy and teach her healthy, but I'm modeling that behavior and I'm trying to have my influence, going back to influence, affect the choices she doesn't always get to make now 50% of the time or not given to her 50% of the time now. But here's dad, dad's healthy, dad eats well, dad has these things, he's allowed jokes or things to happen. We talk about why sugar is bad or whatever. And not just say this is my rules or this is the way it is because it's let's have a conversation around it and i do have to work better at making sure she has her voice or she can speak up and again it's not you can't do this because i say it's we're not going to eat that because it's not healthy we're not going to eat that because that's harmful we're not going to eat that because that's been shown to do whatever or i don't know everything else she does is reading and creating like uh she wanted some of my comic book boards to create with And I love when she does this because comic book boards aren't expensive, but they're not cheap. And I didn't buy them for her to, you know, color on and do art projects and stuff on. And so I was bagging and boarding them last week and putting them in the plastic sleeves and stuff. And she was like, ah, comic book boards, because she's loved drawing and coloring on my comic book boards for forever. Because, again, it's not I mean, there's there's that lineup. Sweetie, I need these for my comics. They're not cheap. But, yeah, of course, you can have a few. Well, as we were kind of going back and forth over how many she could have and stuff and kind of like talking about it, she's like, would you rather use these for your comics or would you rather let me use them to be creative? And I was just like, oh, God, you're awesome. Like, it was just like that. Okay, you win that argument. Here you go. Like, yes, dad needs this many, but I can definitely afford to give you 10 of these out of 100 to go be creative. And she literally said that and it was a great conversation and it took. I don't know at the time probably two minutes to go from point a to point b and you could tell she was just so proud of herself she was just like i won that and just and then i mean like literally we were debating how much she was able and allowed to create and again it was on my boards and i want to teach her to be respectful and stuff but also like yeah you won that debate here you go how many do you want let's (laughs) now we're not talking about me keeping these we're talking about how many do you get to have and she gave me a reasonable number and i was like yeah here you go you you win that and that is more than fair to give you 10 of these to go be creative on and then i found like four of them later so it was kind of like i think just she wanted to win and then i had four more that i got to keep but again it was worth it to give these up so my daughter would go be creative and she wasn't trying to fight for more ice cream she wasn't fighting to sit in front of the tv or get another five minutes of some show she just wanted to go create and that's really hard to argue with so anyway so with adam grant think again as all of these things come into play listening to the podcast from uh ryan holiday's daily dad i just kind of wanted to share something from adam grant's book that kind of sparked me being inspired to come do the podcast and he's talking about um Yankees versus the Red Sox and how there's all these rivals and rivalries and how Red Sox fans hate Yankee fans and there's like even a little chart on here of why Red Sox fans hate Yankees fans obnoxious loud aggressive annoying arrogant cocky entitled stubborn why Yankees fans hate Red Sox fans 
obnoxious, aggressive, annoying, stubborn, angry, arrogant, crazy, losers. So it's, <laughs> again, I could go on a whole rabbit hole and I'm not a sports guy, so that definitely influences it. But it's just two groups of people that just hate each other for the exact same reasons they hate the other one over sports teams. Like, that's a great thing to teach your kids. Hate the other people, scream at the TV, call them losers. I mean, then it was saying in here at some point, like, Red Sox fans teach their kids to flip off Yankees fans. Like, what, what is wrong with people? We're just finding ways to hate each other. If religion and politics don't do it, make it sports. I mean, it's just nuts to me. So, again, I come from a very different influence inside of sports. And I'm a runner, so I just... I, I'm not going to rabbit hole on that. So, this is from Think Again, page 128 by Adam Grant. Grow up in a family of Red Sox fans, and you're bound to hear some unpleasant things about Yankees fans. Start making regular trips to a ballpark packed with people who share your loathing, and it... It's only a matter of time before you contemplate, before your contempt intensifies and calcifies. Once that happens, you're motivated to see the best in your team and the worst in your opponent. Evidence shows that when teams try to downplay a rivalry by reminding fans that it's just a game, it backfires. Fans feel their identity is being devalued and actually become more aggressive. My first idea for disrupting this pattern came from outer space. So... He also talks, and I find this hilarious, because this is just another annoyance I've always had that only grew with the ex and her family. But um, is when people are watching sports or whatever, it's like, we won, we won. I'm like, you sat on your ass and did nothing, so kudos. But I also find, here it is. If their team lost, they shun school apparel and distance themselves by saying they lost instead of we won. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> So many rebels there, but it's about the influence and about how, and the point of that wasn't anything to do with sports, even though I rabbit hold on that, is that when we, we get around people, the influence matters and what we're teaching our kids and what we're telling them to do or how we're telling them to react or the environments we put them in matter. And it also matters for us because if we're surrounding ourselves around people that don't align with our viewpoints or what it is we want to do or accomplish or how we want to be, then we're not, we're going to, we're going to have bad influences seep in. And again, based off our viewpoints. And if I don't want to be drinking wine anymore, because apparently I just can't handle it. But if I don't want to be drinking wine anymore, I'm not going to take my Fridays to go hang around a bunch of people drinking wine, unless I'm want to or I feel like that's okay but if I would rather be reading than on a Friday night and again maybe book clubs and wine go together in ways I don't understand but I'm gonna I'm gonna change what it is I want to do I'm gonna change the people I'm hanging out with if I want to read more I'm gonna be around more people who read not more people who want to binge every Marvel movie from start to finish which there's credence to that but it's not what I want to do. It's not my goal. And if those are the people I'm hanging around, then I'm sitting there watching Marvel movies thinking, gosh, I wish I was hanging around people who read. So influence matters, and the people that we get around calcify, as he said in the book. These viewpoints are things that maybe we don't even have. And I think that explains a lot of our current situations of politics and what we're dealing with because when we're being influenced by family members or whatever sometimes we can pull away sometimes we can fight against it but when it's just one thing after another slowly building and the people we trust and care about and say they love us 
and then those influences are were being told these things from those people then then those those influences become us and unless something happens or we learn information or something bad happens with those people then that starts to become our identity and so that's why i wanted to share that piece because i thought it was very good but there is also another part here so that was kind of the setup this is the part that i think really pertains to our kids and what we could be teaching them or showing them which i think would be so would be making better citizens if we were focusing more on this stuff and being more direct and giving them more credibility for being able to handle this information so there's some evidence that common identity can build bridges between rivals. In one experiment, psychologists randomly assigned Manchester United soccer fans a short writing task. Then they staged an emergency in which passing runner, in which a passing runner slipped and fell, screaming in pain as he held his ankle. He was wearing a t-shirt of their biggest rival, and the question was whether they would stop to help him. If the soccer fans had just written about why they loved their team, only 30% helped. If they had written about what they had in common with other soccer fans, 70% helped. Still 30% didn't, but just that one little influence, just taking the time to, to write about your commonality, just taking a minute to write about what you have in common can help bridge a gap that, like, psychologically, so if you're around a bunch of friends and you're going to your sports ball thing and somebody falls wearing your rival's shirt like all of those people are influencing you not helping and if simply writing down things that bond you together could get you to help or simply writing down things you don't like about the other team would literally let you walk past somebody who needs your help that's really easy to influence and that's really easy to put these pieces of information around our kids and our friends and ourselves but having those reminders and having these things up really does help and really does kind of push us forward and allows us to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. And when I put these things through that type of lens, and this was a really direct reminder for me, but when we put those things through a particular lens that how am I reacting to this is, is a better way to... I don't want to say that to get the desired outcome. And I think one of the things we miss a lot is what we're getting right now versus what we're getting later. If we scold our kid, we yell at them, we get them to stop what they're doing now, but we're not thinking about how that's going to react two weeks from now, five years from now, 60 years from now. We don't think about long term. We don't like people are always like, what's your five year plan when it comes to work or whatever? And you know, I don't know because I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen with me, with my daughter at any given point. But I know I can do something now that's better and right for her at 70 in the hopes that she makes it to 70, 80, 90, and I'll be long gone by then. But that she's not suffering or has dementia or Alzheimer's or cancer or something because of foundational things I laid now. And if I teach her these healthy eating habits, if I let her know how important exercise is. If I teach her how, how much better your life will be if you're kind to people and get those influences to happen, then then that's the desired outcome. And at a certain point, she gets to make her own choices. So if at 18, she decides she just wants to be a jerk and treat everybody like crap, 
I hope not, but that's then her choice. It's not that I hopefully did not do the things that brought her to that point where it's like, now I'm 18 and I'm free and I get to be a jerk because that's how my dad treated me. That's how my dad taught me or how he treated other people. He was getting on Twitter bashing everybody, which I'm not on Twitter, but it's just, well, I kind of am. But anyway, it's just when you, when you see those things, when you hear those things, when you like one of the common things, and I've said this before many times, you know, so I'll just sum it up real quick. But when we tell our kids that police officers are, you know, here to help and they, they're, you know, their job is to take care of us or protect us or whatever. And then we get pulled over and we're calling them jerks and idiots and saying all these things or whatever. And it's our fault for speeding or whatever. Then that's, that's a conflict of messaging. That's telling our kids like, you need to trust this person. And then the interactions they see are, well, that person was bad. Or my mom just said how bad they were while I spent, my teacher just told me how we should trust police officers. Like we just, we're not aware of the conflict that's happening or we're not aware of what it is we're putting into our kid's head. And that's just one little example. But if I'm telling my daughter that this is her home and then I'm punishing her for stuff she's doing in the home, that that seems to be a conflict. If I spill, and I've been frustrated before, and this is why it's a good example, but if I spill my cup of coffee on the floor, I do get frustrated and mad at myself. And if my daughter does it, I do get frustrated at her. And I'm just like, just pay attention. But I also remind her, like, I just did that too. Because like, chances are I did. But it's like, and I've actually started using like lidded travel mugs just because I keep having so many stupid accidents. But but it's it's not, I'm mad at you and this is, you messed up my house or now blah. It's, that was an accident. It shouldn't have happened. Just like I shouldn't have made my accident. <laughs> Sounds like I beat my pants. Um, but it's it's the ownership of this is our home and we just got to be better with it we got to take better care of it we got to pay more attention and that's it it's a lesson if i start yelling or whatever now she's just scared and now she's not doing the thing because it's the right thing to do or she's learned it's the right thing to do or it was model behavior she's doing it because if i don't i get hurt whether it's verbal or feeling bad about herself or being yelled at because again she just kicks something over and and that's not the ownership I want her to have because I get more mad at myself than I do her because I'm just so frustrated I knocked it over and then I communicate that and it's just like I even tell her like I just knocked it over or she'll point it out and be like well you did that too and I was like you're right I did like thank you for and I've given her permission to call me out so as we look at these influences like what are we saying to our friends our family members ourselves and our kids and how are we presenting this information? And if I can put up a poster of Seneca and every once in a while just say something about philosophy to her, like I um, bought this coin off the Daily Stoic web store and it's a reminder coin to be a decent human being, but it says, don't, don't know what it is to be a good man, be a good man. And my daughter, for some reason, again, just like anything else I try to like have as my own, which again, I love, that's not a complaint. She like loved this coin and started carrying it around and stuff. And we talked about it again. It was 30 seconds, a minute tops, but it's these little influence. So how do I teach my daughter philosophy? How do I teach her to be a good person? I mirror it and I give her these little influences. And what is it? What does that mean? What does it mean to not just think about being a good man or I'm messing up the quote, but be a good man. And I just tell her like, it's just a reminder that in all cases, no matter what's happening to be decent, to be good to and it's just like oh okay and then she just kind of moves on and I don't need her to like 
jump up and down and fireworks shoot out and you know ah, i just taught you about philosophy it's just those little daily motivations and now she's carrying around a coin that reminds her to be a good person like it's just there it is and anyone every once in a while if she looks down and sees those words on the back of it it's gonna be like okay like whatever influence it has it's laying a foundation and i think that's the thing we need to focus more on and i wish we taught stuff like this in school more of just understanding that it's not getting the answers right on the test today because we all know we just memorize crap and we all know we memorize what we needed to to get through the test and move on and sometimes things stuck more sometimes they didn't some people were better students than others <laughs> hands in the air but it's at the end of the day i would just like my influence on my daughter to be that she learned that I was a good person and that was a good model of behavior and the things that I don't like and I tell her I don't like football because of x y and z I don't think they treat their people well I think they're showing that it's harmful um I don't like sugar for these reasons and these are the negative effects on your body and they're linking it to dementia and Alzheimer's and all of these things and I can just talk about those things and there's a reason for what I'm why I do what I do and how I do what I do and it's never because it's my will it's never because this is my home and you do what I say this is our home we need to figure it out we need to treat it well but ah anyway that was all inspired from Adam Grant's Think Again which I would highly recommend I'm actually on page 129 and um which is about halfway done a little less than halfway done but it's really good it's been very influential. Um, he's done a ton of podcast interviews, um, just promoting the book. And there's a Talk LA one. There's a Politics and Prose, Armchair Expert. Um, I've just seen him pop up everywhere. Uh, oh, he was just on three books with Neil Pashrika. Um, Pashrika? Anyway, um, so I highly recommend it. I will link to it, obviously, in the show notes as I do. And just think about your influence think about what you're showing somebody think about if you have a kid how you're treating the barista at starbucks how you're treating the checkout person at meyer how you're reacting when you have long lines are you teaching your kid to be impatient or are you teaching them that this is a time we can talk this is a time we get to hang out this is a time a little extra time together to enjoy one another to just be or did we bring books because i always try to bring a couple of books for her. So you can just sit and relax and read and I'll just chill out. And I don't, I used to, but I don't pull out my phone and stuff anymore because I don't want that influence on her. I don't want her to see me pulling it out. I don't want her to, I don't want to not be practicing what I preach about screens. But it also, it's okay to just stand here. It's okay to just let your mind wander. It's okay to think. And these are, so if she says, dad, are you bored? I say, no, I'm just thinking about things. What are you thinking about? Now we have a conversation. Like these are the influences that I think matter. These are the influences that, that allow us to, to create good citizens. I mean, like literally that's kind of been my focus lately. So thank you for listening. I apologize for the sports rambles. It's something I didn't tend to care about or think about too much until I did. And so now it's a little more forefronty for me, but um, all just because of my daughter and um, I want to be a positive influence on her. So I thought those were really good. So if you're ever uh, needing to calm down or focus or you have something coming up where you don't want to lose your cool, just write down good things about the person you're about ready to talk to. Write down good things about something to do in general with this person if you can't think about anything good about them. Write down 
things that parents have in common or what makes a good parent or what makes a good employee or whatever it is like just put pen to paper that's why I do my two minute journal my daily gratitude that's why I um I could be journaling more but I don't um but I do do my two minute journal every morning thanks to my to-do list so so put your brain in the right spot get yourself motivated in some way shape or form and just try to be a little bit a little bit better influence and know that you're being watched at all times by everybody on some level even if you don't matter or they don't they're not going to remember you what's the Maya Angelou quote people don't remember what you said but they do remember how you made them feel so keep that in mind all right I'm going to let you go thank you for listening I appreciate it I appreciate you being here and uh yeah check out a betterfather.com where I've been blogging recently so I will talk to you later Bye.